It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Well, welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. And for those of you uh, chiming in on YouTube, uh, thank you for watching. This is a live broadcast. So this is exciting because I have an old friend of mine with us tonight. Something I've been trying to, uh, someone I've been trying to get on the air for a very long time. Uh, his name is Mitch York, and he's a fellow New Yorker. And we have been friends since 2002. And if I'm wrong, he'll correct me in a moment. But I believe it was May of 2002 we first met. But Mitch, is, uh, he has such an interesting background and so much to share. That's why I want to get him on the show. He is a professional EOS implementer, and he's going to explain what that is. He's a certified coach. It's a business coach. He's been helping business owners get more out of their business for 17 years. But before that, he was actually a senior executive with a company, big companies such as LendingTree.com, who you may know, and also Ziff Davis Publishing, which is a mega publishing house. We met through franchising when he decided to uh, change direction in his career and get into something called Maui Waui Smoothies, where, as you know, I was in that same franchise. So I want to welcome Mitch. Are you there? I'm, I'm here. I'm well, here. Thank you. How you doing? This is so fantastic. Thank you for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You, you, were, you were my original Maui Waui mentor. So uh, <laughs> you were ground zero for me of, of Maui Waui, and, I'm, and, and, it's, and it's still going strong. That's that, and that, that's amazing in itself. How long have you been doing Maui Waui now? Is it, was it 2002 that you started? June of 2002. My first location was Yankee Stadium. That's right. You probably remember. And that followed by Shea Stadium and Bridgeport, Connecticut, and here and there. And right. it was wild. Yeah, and those were wild days because the franchise was just trying to figure it out on our, on our dime as we were built. I had rolls and rolls of dimes that they were putting out on. Two minutes to count. It all worked out. You know, it did, thank God. You know, uh, and and we made, you know, made some good friends along the way, which is great. So that's phenomenal. I I wanted to kind of, instead of going chronologically, I want to go backwards. Um, I want to talk more about what you're doing right now, because I think it's a real value for people if they know about it. What is EOS? EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And I I discovered it a couple of years ago. Uh, One of my coaching clients, a wealth management company, mentioned to me one day that their EOS implementer was coming in. It was like he was talking Greek. I had no idea what he meant. EOS implementer. He said, yeah, there's this book called Traction. You must know about it. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So uh, it was very important to him, and he had this high-powered consultant coming in, and I thought I, w- I thought I was their consultant, their coach. So I ordered the book from Amazon. I even paid for overnight delivery, which I never do, and I read it the next day, pretty much in one sitting. And after I read it, I was like, "Oh my God, this is a whole new chapter for what I can." do for my clients. And I needed to figure out how I could do it. So EOS is a system of very simple tools and principles 
that allows business owners to get more out of their businesses, kind of in terms of getting everyone on the same page with, with the company's vision, rowing in the same direction where they're going, traction in terms of accountability and measuring the right things, and team health, getting healthy as a leadership team, because as the leadership team goes, so goes the rest of the company. Oh, yes. It's implemented over a series of session days that Bright teach and facilitate with the leadership team. And we've done this now, EOS has, EOS Worldwide, based in Detroit, has delivered this over to over 8,000 companies in over 40 or close to 50,000 now session days. So I'm one of their roughly 300 professional implementers around the country. So that means I, I did a whole lot of in-depth training on site, ongoing training, and uh, this is what I do now in addition to my coaching. And Maui Wowie is mostly handled by some great staff that I had, that I have. Uh, so it still goes on and it, and it shall go on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so awesome. Do you think that EOS is something that franchise companies could, could really use? I mean, from the franchisee level and then the franchisor level even, would it make sense? The target market, the, the bullseye market for EOS is companies with 10 to 250 employees, 2 million to 50 million in sales, and that are growing and have a growth mindset. Okay. I've worked with companies across industries. It's industry agnostic. Service, manufacturing, franchise makes no difference. If you have a multi-unit franchise operator uh, that has a you know that has a a staff, a management team, uh, building out their franchise operation, and they have issues with growth, and that's that's what EOS is designed to facilitate and make life easier. Yeah. And I'll just say one thing about it: it's it, without explaining it too much, is that what we figured out is that if companies get strong in six core components of managing a business, they do a lot better. The first is vision, which I talked about a little bit. The second is people. You have to have great people to have a great company. The third is data. You have to run the company by the numbers instead of opinion and emotion. The fourth component is issues. You have to have a process for solving issues as they arise, not letting them linger. Uh, the fifth issue is process. You have to have your core processes documented and followed by everybody in the organization. And the sixth process is traction. And traction means having quarterly objectives that are very clear, three to seven quarterly objectives, each one owned by someone on the leadership team. And then also having what we call a meeting pulse where you have a really strong weekly leadership team meeting that adheres to a very strict agenda that's focused on solving issues, not on everybody kind of talking in over each other in different directions. So you get strong in all those things, a lot gets better. So oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of the ballpark of EOS. So when you talk to companies and, and interview them, kind of do, I, I assume you do like an intake. Are there certain problems that are common across all industries that you see? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, all companies have the same 130 some odd problems, right? I mean, if you're if you're a small business that that two million to 50 million in sales, it's all the same. You you have an entrepreneur starts a business, it doesn't really have a plan. Grab somebody, help me do this, help me do that, and who can ever whoever can do what 
you know, grab something that's not being done and do it. Okay. So problems emerge because, you know, think about it. You have two people and the, the communication is like that, right? It's easy, just bi-directional. You add a third person and then you wind up with a 50% increase in people and a 200% increase in complexity of communication, just as an example. Add a fourth person, and now the lines are going all different directions. You have a 500% increase in complexity of communication. So you have to deal with companies. They all have problems. All growth-oriented companies have similar problems with, with processes, as an example, not documenting their, their processes in an easy navigable form, not, not, not like 100%, not, not creating big operating procedures manuals, but just like getting their processes down where, where they do, where they have 20% of their process delivers 80% of the value of the process. Yeah. So process is always big. Data, a lot of entrepreneurs run their business by gut instinct and like, hey, you know, I, I, I don't measure it, but, uh, but I do what I, you know, I wake up and I decide what I'm going to do. And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. People are like fairly substantial businesses, and then I, I speak to them, and they're, they they hit the wall. You know, they're like, I can't. I, I I'm working eighty hours a week. I can't do this anymore. Wow. And so you have to have systems in place. So we create a a, a simple tool set that allows them to to do that to overcome the problems that everybody faces. That's what that's what we've done so many times. I mean, that, that's that's and it's so needed. I mean, I see it you know, in franchise companies that we interview before we represent them and, and just, you know, the craziness that's going on, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And it's just, it, it's, um, it's like depressing sometimes because yeah. they have such great concepts, but they just don't have the basics down. But as you were explaining it, how like a business starts up, it, it just, I guess got a flesh in my head. I don't know why. And, but just as an example, it's the way New York city was built there was no planning. It was just ad hoc, you know, let's do this. Okay. Let's, let's build a subway. Well, let's build another one. You know, it's like, and it just, you know, so now you have New York city where, you know, any, any building that was built before world war two doesn't have a loading dock. That's why everybody's on the street. You know, it's just insanity. And, and that's, that's a business. It's insanity. Right. And that takes place over really long periods of time. You know, these days, you have you start a business, and we all know that the vast majority of businesses fail in the first year and, and, and in the first five years. And that's this whole process of you don't just grow like linearly like that. You, you grow a little bit, and then you hit a ceiling. And how do you break through the ceiling? Mm-hmm. And you know you've got to master certain leadership abilities to do that. You got to learn how to simplify and dumb everything down. You got to learn how to delegate and elevate to your unique ability. You have to do a bunch of other things that help you break through that ceiling. You have to systemize. You got to create a regular system that's followed by everybody. You have to have the right structure so that you know, here here are the major functions of the business. Here are the critical roles within each function. Here's who owns that seat. They got to be the right people in the right seats. And then you can have a company that that can scale. So we teach all those things and help companies make them happen so that they can have a plan and grow without um, killing each other or themselves. Right. Yeah, and it, it, it definitely it definitely sounds awesome. But do you think because you have owned franchises 
And also, you've even worked for a short stint in in the corporate office at, at Maui Waui. Does that give you a unique perspective in order to help people with this EOS implementation? Well, sure. I mean, having started uh, and and successfully run a business, I know firsthand that EOS didn't exist. At least I didn't know about it. It's about twenty years old, so it probably was just getting started when I was starting Maui Waui and. It would have been great to have this tool set because, as as you well know, uh, our franchise was a little bit light on the training back then. It was kind of, you know, here's how you turn the blender on, guys. Ha- have fun. And, uh, right. and <laughs> we're, we're sure you'll figure it out. So, you know, it's gotten a lot better since then, but it was just light on process. <laughs> and, and as and so I felt those, I felt all the same things. And not just at Maui Wow, I mean, in, in my in my corporate career, same thing. In in startups, uh, in in building products within bigger companies, same thing. It, it, this didn't really exist. And the the whole idea is that if you want to grow a company, you have to have an operating system. You have to have. You can pick anyone you want. And sometimes people say, "Well, is is EOS like? How does that compare with Strategic Coach or or whatever?" And right. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't care. Like right. you, you like, you like, you know, vanilla or chocolate, just have, just, yeah, you have that operating good, have an operating system. It really, as long as you have one and use it, it doesn't matter. Ours is a great one happens to work. I don't know. I don't care about the other ones. It's just important that you have an operating system. You must choose one. That's the key. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like what a lot of owners don't do is just make a decision about making it happen. Uh, and picking one, and, it's- and and a lot of them, like they're you know, I'm I'm working with a, I work with many companies doing EOS now, but there are some times where I will go in, and and the way I present it is, I'll do an, a 90 minute overview of EOS and give them a whole bunch of tools they can use, whether they hire me or not. Most times, about 50 percent of the time that I have that 90 minute overview meeting, about 50 percent of the time I get hired. And 50% of the time I don't. And my conclusion about the 50% of the time that I don't is the reason I don't is that the pain isn't great enough yet. Mm -hmm. They have to suffer some more. And then once they, and maybe they'll figure it out, but they probably won't. And they'll just think, oh, this looks like it might require some effort on our part. It's a, it was a great, it's a great book though. Glad I read the book. And then, you know, (laughs) The next, the next day, whatever the whatever the disaster of the day is, takes over, and that's that. So right. it does. It takes a big commitment. It takes about a a two year commit mental commitment. P.S. We don't do contracts. No one ever signs anything. Oh. So when they when when a company hires me to do EOS, do an implementation, I come in for a full day with their leadership team. I charge a fee for that. At the end of the day, if they feel they didn't get value, they don't give me the check. I say, I don't want, don't give me the check at the beginning of the day. Don't send it in advance. Have it at the end of the day. And if you like what you heard and it worked and you felt like, oh, I, I get it. We're on a, a track here. I, I'd be happy to take the check. But that's how we work. No contracts and, we're, and all of our session days are guaranteed. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty unique, actually. I, uh, <laughs> that's pretty yeah, cool. People are like, what? You're going to work for someone for a whole day and then they might not pay you. 
yeah, if I don't deliver a product that's that's worth paying for, why should they pay me? No yeah. one hasn't paid yet, P.S. No one hasn't okay. paid. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you wouldn't be doing it if you weren't adding value. I, I mean, I know you as a person, you're not going to do something shabby. Right. Uh, and it really does work. I mean, and we after every session day, the, one of the last, the, the last thing we do is we have everybody, all the participants, give the meeting a rating on a scale of one to ten. My average is about a nine, nine <laughs> out of ten. So you know, once you get the nine out of ten, they kind of they kind of have to give you the check, right? Yeah, oh, no. it's fine. Oh, no, we didn't get anything out of it. Please, yeah, no, don't do that. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of like what I do when I and I I share with people that. You know, I, I don't charge for what I do, and I'll and I'll spend quite a few hours with somebody trying to help them figure out franchising. If they don't buy one, not a big deal. And I probably did my job by helping people not buy a franchise. Yeah, but I also look at it as marketing too. So even if you don't like, or if franchising is not for you, hopefully you'll like me and my process enough that you would refer me. And that's that's yeah. kind of my spiel, right? It, it pays down the line. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about some, you know, personal stuff regarding your own business relationships and stuff and your success. I mean, you've had some great successes over your corporate career as well. What's really one great piece of advice that uh, you've gotten in your life that has really kind of taken you to the next level? I will tell you, and and you know the person who gave it to me, Michael Haith. Oh, really? Michael Haith gave me the most important business advice I think that I have ever received. If he's if he sees this, he he will smile somewhere. And his advice was, if you can't make the right decision, make the decision right. Hmm. And people always say to me, like in the early years of, of doing Maui Wowie, would you do it again? Would you do it again? And I'm like, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> because it because it hurts too much. But I made the decision and now I have to make the decision right because whenever you think the grass is always greener somewhere else and oh, for the, you know, the road not taken and all that stuff. So I think when it's, it's, it's not worth doing to say, boy, I wonder, should I have done something differently? You know, who cares? You did what you did. Now you got to make it work. And I think that's good advice for anybody, you know, to keep kind of just keep trying yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I've gotten a lot of little pearls of wisdom from Michael over the years, too. Uh, and I had I've seen him recently. Uh, oh, really? shows. Yeah. He, you know, he sold off the whole Maui Wowie thing. I, as I guess, you know, I do. Then <laughs> uh, so he's working with Teriyaki Madness and he's doing franchise development and all sorts of things going on. Yeah. One of my favorite people. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, he's an interesting fellow with a lot of uh, wisdom. And he's helped a lot of people, and you think a lot of people are also mad at him <laughs> as well. Yeah, well, you know that's the funny thing about about buying a, a franchise is the. Uh, did you, you know I wrote a, and I know you you wrote a book. I read your book, and uh, I also wrote a book about franchising. I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. Uh, Let's talk about it now. Yeah, sure. It was I, I wrote it a while ago, but it's called Franchise Freedom or Fantasy. And I wrote it about seven years into doing Maui Wowie. So that's like 10 years ago that I wrote this book. Wow. And I wrote it because I, I, I think I went into franchising for all the wrong reasons. Hmm. And because I was basically trying to escape from having to get a real job again, because I didn't like my real job so, so much, so good. Right. 
and uh, uh, they they caused me a lot of pain, and they were never really right for me. Yet I kept I kept doing it for a long time, and I was really good at those jobs until I wasn't. And then you know I, I like oh I just can't do this anymore. And then I met a franchise consultant yep. named Carol Mercurio. Yeah, yeah. And she said, uh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll introduce you to some concepts. And she, there were a few. And then she said, this, there's one called Maui Wowie. And I said, please don't say anymore. I'm not, I'm never buying a franchise called Maui Wowie. Just, just shut up. <laughs> and she, she said, okay, all right. You know, and then, then a few days later, she said, I really, I really want to talk to you about this Maui Wowie. Uh, okay. And that's, of course, the one I wound up doing. And why exactly I did it? I, you know, I think I just did it because, hey, it was, it was crazy. It was my rebellion. It was my, you know, to corporate America. And, and so how far away could I get from corporate life than the Hawaiian shirt and standing behind a smoothie bar? I mean, I, I, I guess I was, you know, it was a bit of madness, I think. So those are not the best reasons to go into and buy a franchise. Not the best reasons. Yeah. And I did it anyway. Right. And, and you gotta, I mean, I think a lot of people do it for that reason, actually. And, you know, it's, and they buy the wrong franchise is, is a big part of the problem as well. Where, you know, Maui Wowie was like no structure, no nothing. There's other ones that, that are. Which which appealed to me. That appealed to me. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and I liked it too. I mean, it's one system that has no royalties, which is very uncommon uh, in franchising. You just had to buy the mix. Buy the and, and, and they let me, you know, like after two years, I discovered I really hated their business model, mostly. I mean, the stadium, the, the stadium and public events thing, as you well know, was uh, it was it was making me old before my years. It was grueling. Grueling, yes. Uh, tiki bars and trailers, which I never quite mastered. And then I, I stumbled upon uh, a different model with catering. And they let me spec out new equipment. They let me source a vendor for it and have portable equipment that can be thrown into a back of, a, of an SUV. Yep. And now I have about 200 college accounts, university accounts. I have, you know, scores of corporate accounts. I have lots and lots of private events that we do. We do smoothies, we do espresso bars and you know, so they allowed me to invent a new category. And then yes. all they asked in return was, hey, can I teach them and teach other people how to do it too? Right. And they also allowed me to build my own network of other really good Maui Wowie operators to work with cooperatively. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at the sales and marketing top of the funnel and getting sales done. And then I've got people in lots of different markets that are great operators and I, I'm just able to give them the, the opportunity and I send them a check. I send them a check usually before I get paid. Right. Like that, and that's how you keep a good partner. And even if I didn't get paid, they, they get paid. That never, that'll, that's only happened twice in, you know, several thousands of jobs, twice in 17 years. So it's a pretty good bet that we're going to get paid. Yeah. So it, it's a, been a great system and Maui Wowie really facilitated that. Yeah, and and you, you you created the whole thing yourself, which is which is awesome, and, and it's great that they let you do that. And um, you know, you you did what Michael Hayes said, which is you know the decision that you made. If it wasn't right, make it right. 
And so, that's it. And of course, you know, in the end, it is the right decision because it had so many other benefits for me. I could have made more money, probably being more miserable if I'd gone back into corporate life. Yeah. But from the time that my, I have three children, as you know, and from the time that my son was 13 until he was 26, Maui Waui was pretty much his life. Huh. It was how he earned money. He yeah. never had an allowance. He had Maui Waui. And believe me, he did not want to do it. When I first put a Hawaiian shirt on him and said, come with me, mm -hmm. uh, it was he did not greet me like, oh, boy, this is great. He was mortified. That's and true. I grew up with, with my dad running a delicatessen. And I, I would have killed. I, I was begging him to let me come to the store and put mm -hmm. on a white apron and, uh, and you know, do chores around the store. Well, my son, not so much, but he did it anyway. And, you know, he, he, he's a fine, fine man today. And I, I give Maui Lowry credit for that because it taught him real values and it taught him hard work at an early age. And I, I think that's a, a fantastic thing. It really is. T tell us the name of the book again. Franchise, colon, freedom or fantasy, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> what, what an awesome graphic, I have to say. I just love, it's like all suits in a closet, or right? Is it suits or shirts? Yeah, it's like suits or sports, uh, you know, sport jackets or whatever. And then one really garish Hawaiian shirt in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. That was brilliant. Did you think of that? or did? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, my God. That was brilliant. One of my rare flashes of, uh, of wisdom. <laughs> I loved it. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, if franchising does do good things for people that want to do the work. Um, there's no question about it, but it's hard work. I mean, even myself, I, I never worked so hard in my life than lugging those carts around uh, all over Long Island and Manhattan. And, and it was insane, but, but I loved it. And now my, my son has followed in my footsteps and he's um, working uh, as a franchise salesperson for a uh, franchise company out of Des Moines, Iowa. That's great. That's terrific. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, and he's loving it. You know, nobody told him, uh, you know, that it was difficult. <laughs> so he's just yeah. doing it. Yeah, and there's a real need. I mean, people, we're, we're in an age where, where people want independence, and sometimes independence is forced on them, and, and sometimes they just need a, a second career, a change of scenery, and it's a valid choice. It's hopefully they do it for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully they understand the reasons they're doing it. Right. Like me. But if people read your book, they'll get a better... Uh, they will. They will. Yeah. And that's, I think that's important. And that's a, that's a great thing. So I'm glad that uh, you remind, reminded me about that. That's awesome. Well, what's a really big business mistake that you've made that you learned from or, or an incident? Anything like that that you could talk about? Uh, well, I, could, I could go way, way back. And even before, uh, the, the Maui Waui mistakes are too numerous and painful to talk about. I'm, I still can't do it without crying. So I can't do that. <laughs> Right. But I'll tell you about, you know, business mistakes when way back when, when I worked in the publishing industry, I was the um, editor in chief of a newspaper in the travel industry. Mm -hmm. And I was the kind of leader where I was very top down because that's what my dad was. And I was this is like I'm, I'm in my late 20s. So I'm like my dad. I'm the boss. I know what to do. You know, command and control. So we're putting out the newspaper one day, and uh, as we all sit around the newsroom, 
where everybody has to proofread the front page of the paper before it goes out, before the messenger carries it off to the printer and all that stuff. So we read, we, we fix the typos, it's gone. Then on Monday, I was, a, um, I was at a convention, a national convention of travel agents, about 4,000 people. I'm sitting in the front row. The speaker is the chairman of Avis Rent-A-Car. And he, he says, before I begin my remarks, and he holds up that morning's copy of my newspaper, Business Travel News, he says, this story is not true about Avis and their relationship with travel agents. So it's like Avis, Avis, someone like Avis isn't going to give commissions to travel agents anymore. Some headline, misleading headline. <laughs> oh my God, I wrote that headline. It's not what the story says. It must have been the head, it must have been the story I wanted it to to be, <laughs> and then I go back to my st- and I mean I profusely apologized. We nearly lost them as an advertiser. It was horrible. And then I, I on on, my, on the next day when I got home, I get the staff together. What happened? Like guys, didn't you read the headline? It was like they said. Well, we thought that's what you wanted. Huh. And what I real what I learned from that was that you can't. You, if you have a bunch of intelligent people with you, command and control is just a stupid thing. And, and you know, that was very sort of 1980s, 1990s, maybe not so much today. Right. And you really, if the, 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 the CEO or business owner that thinks that they know everything and just tells people what to do is going to find themselves in a heap of trouble. And that's a, you know, that's what happened to me. I overcame it, but ooh, it was very bad. It hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's we could talk a lot about, about uh, a lot of things in politics today that kind of look like that, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but we won't. We're not going to do that right now. <laughs> Moving along, <laughs> we need several hours um, <laughs> or days. But uh, <laughs> so, is there any myths about either franchising or actually coaching might be better that you would like to bust? Right here, this is about coaching. Yeah, most people, uh, and, and I work. Most people. Most companies that I've worked with have worked with a coach before. Mm-hmm. And what I get is like, uh, I was in uh, Fort Worth, Texas on Thursday doing a full day EOS session for a wealth management company. And I sat down with the team, five people, and I basically said, So, what are your expectations for today? And the feedback I got was, Well, you know, we've worked with coaches before. And it's sort of a lot of, you know, high concept stuff about needing to communicate better and then they leave and we go back right back to doing the same thing. And I, and I was really glad to hear that input because a lot of people think that coaching is sort of like therapy (laughs) and, and boy, it is really not that it it really follows a, a, a pretty rigorous structure if done at a professional level and EOS is way not that. It's a systems approach. It's it's much more teaching and facilitation than coaching. But good business coaching is not therapy. So there's a myth that, oh yeah, I don't need some touchy-feely thing. I can work this out on my own. That's not what it's about. If people have, you know, emotional problems, they need to see an emotional uh, a psychologist, not a coach. Right. So that's pretty, that's pretty important. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And, and I think people are more and more open to coaching now more than ever, whether it be personal or business. And, you know, just like any, 
per sports professional that you know everyone has a coach way into their you know glory years in in uh, sports. Yeah. They always have a coach. Yeah, it's finally been, when I started 17 years ago, very misunderstood. I wouldn't say that it's completely understood now. It's still an unregulated. Anyone can call themselves a coach. And when people talk to me about you know oh I had a coach. I'll always say, were they certified by ICF, by the International Coach Federation? What was their training? You know, or did they just were they just some some person who retired and said, hey, you know, I think I I could do that. I'll just be a coach. And right. That like anything else gives coaches um, a bad name when when those people appear. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that do that even in my industry. Where of course, they get laid off and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a franchise consultant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. So there should be standards. And I'm a, at least I, that's my soapbox. And in terms of myths about franchising, I think the biggest myth about franchising, probably not true with, with the, the great big franchises, but with a lot, is the concept of being, I, I don't buy into the concept of being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. I think anyone going into a franchise should, should at least think, I'm in this by myself, because at the end of the day, you are. It's yeah. just, it's you and your money. And you better be pretty confident that you can pull this off. And because the franchisor is not going to save you. They got hundreds of other people to worry about. Thousands. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. And and I often say to people, when you're thinking about this concept, what would, what would you do if the franchise company went away and there was nobody left? Mm. What would you do? Mm-hmm. Because you got you got to be able to make the phone ring yourself, you know, to right. put it mildly. Got to do a lot more than that. But and, and with Maui Wow, you know, I, I've never counted on them to make the phone ring. And you know, they got be- actually once in a once in a while they do make my phone ring, and I really appreciate it when they do. But man, if I had counted on them to do that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right? No, there's, there's no, no question about it. I agree with you on that. Good advice for the folks out there because we have all different listeners from people wanting to buy a franchise, people that are in a franchise, you know, franchise lawyers, I mean, everybody. So b- before I forget to ask, what's the best way to contact you? My website, which is york.coach, my last name, york.coach. .coach is now a domain. It's like the not .com. Yeah. .coach. Yeah, it's, it's interesting and, and confusing to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a domain for everything. Yeah, it's, it's, they're exploding, you know. But yeah, York.coach, you'll find every you find all my contact information there. York, that's Y O R K dot coach. That's it. Wow, it's so simple. So simple. So simple. It's simple. If it's yeah, complicated, yeah. I don't like it. That's why I chose Maui Wowie. Simple. Oh. Or so I thought. Well, great. Or, or as my wife says, oh, there are a lot of moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of blender parts all over the place. <laughs> we, still, we still we have many good laughs. We have so many stories that we have we have a lot of we have we have good laughs, which is good. And we're making money. We always have. Yeah. So I can't complain. I really can't. Yeah, it's just I think a lot of times you know for me anyway, it's expectation. You expect one thing, and it's not what you got. Right. Uh, expectation makes you makes people unhappy in general. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they need be need to be managed. So yeah, I was expecting I was expecting to do one thing in Maui Wow and wound up doing something completely different. I thought I was going to open uh, stores and malls until I looked at the rents. I'm like, not going to do that. I may as well buy some of these you know ginormous 
hearts and and go see if I can convince Yankee Stadium to have a smoothie bar. So yeah, yeah. Well, I I tell the story all the time of when you and I went up to meet that gentleman. That's right. We did it together. Yeah, yeah. We went up to meet uh, Jamie Hernandez, I believe. No, it was. not Hernandez. Hershkowitz. 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 Yeah. Ooh. Uh, yeah. He was, he was a tough people. character. He was a tough. He was a tough character. He would chew people up and spin them out. Oh boy, oh boy! He was a tough guy. He passed away a couple of years ago. You know, but uh, oh, Yankee Stadium! Old Yankee Stadium. That was that was really something. You'd be walking walking down the hallways in the in the bowels of the stadium. You know, like three or four years before they knocked it down. These like great big barrels to catch all the rain. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they treated their, I have to say, they treated their employees like so miserably. So it was like everyone was a prisoner. It was really like being in a prison. <laughs> and they would feed us. They would like, they would have, they had a, like a, a food service. And I was like, I had all my money in Maui Waui. So I was not, my employee was going across the street to get McDonald's before the game. I said, you know what? There's like this macaroni with chopped meat and tomato sauce thing over there. I, I don't care. I'm not spending five dollars on it. <laughs> so, but it's like guy has me, you know, gets a plate. He's got this look on his face and just dumps this stuff on a plate. It was like it was like what I would imagine a prison was like. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> but we had we had a lot of money that we had so much money we couldn't keep it all on our aprons. So I guess yeah. that. And, and, and it's so true. I mean, we were working with Santa Plate at the time. They no longer have the contract there, and they don't have the contract to Javits either anymore. Yeah. But they have Jones Beach. Remember, we had we also did oh, Jones yeah. together, too. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they knocked that building down that we used to be in, which was another kind of in the basement with um, rain up, you know, water up. <laughs> uh, trying to get ice, fighting people for bags of ice. Oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember carrying these 40 pound bags of, I'd have to go from the basement, go to one end of the, the stadium to get to where I needed to go up upstairs with a big bag of ice in the third inning to try you know run back, get more ice, fighting the crowds. It was great. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Stuff of which legends are made. Right. It's people like would come, people I knew would come and look at me and just like, what happened to you? Right. What happened? <laughs> That happened to me. I remember working the stand at the Javits Center during the automobile show. Some guys from transit came in from my old job. They're like, Tom, we could get you a job. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they felt bad for me. Right. <laughs> but meanwhile, I, I was making like in a month what I used to make in a year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we did our first pu- public event. After I, you know, I'm corporate guy, right? And then finally, we're ready for our first first public event. It's a tennis tournament on Long Island somewhere. So, so I bring all this stuff out, and I bring my kids to work, and they're like, they said, "Dad, are we poor now?" <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You used to go to work, go someplace. We didn't know where you went. Where you went? You're on a plane most of the time, and now we're like. There, there are bees, and we're we're we're, I'm, I'm, we're making this stuff and selling it to people for five bucks. Are we poor? <laughs> Get to work. Oh, but, they, but they remember it. They remember it like it was yesterday, and they all three of them have 
amazingly good values. So I, I credit Maui Wanak for that. They have good values. They, they're not, you know, spoiled rich kids. Right. And, and it's kind of, that's a better way to be, I think. So, now, one of your daughters is in the service, right? Yes. Jane, my oldest, is um, in the Navy. And she just accepted a job, in fact, as a Navy recruiter. She's been in, she was in for five years and went to grad school and just, I was a reservist and just re-enlisted actually like this week. Oh, wow. For, for three years. So she is gung-ho Navy. Uh, go Navy. We love the Navy. It's fantastic. My dad was in the Navy too. Yeah. Awesome. Navy's great. So that's, uh, yeah, God bless her. That's so awesome. I appreciate that. That service that she yeah. provides. Yeah. Let's yeah, she was on a she was on a nuclear submarine base in Washington State for for five years. Wow! Doing base, she was a master at arms. So, little girl from Long Island go, goes in the Navy, and all of a sudden she's training in in Fort McAllen or somewhere in Texas, and qualifying on on these you know hand hand weapons, machine guns, fifty caliber weapons, and loves to shoot. Trigger time is happy time. That's what she used to say. Oh my God! That's so she was she was amazing. She was a uh, she, she was a, a master at arms doing uh, nuclear submarine security. Wow! Yeah, pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, not not typically uh, what the uh, she got her. I think she got her values because she worked. She worked at the Long Island Ducks Stadium. Mm-hmm. She worked at events. She worked catering events as she was growing up. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, the guy that used to run the Javis Center. Uh, I don't know if, if you ever met Greg Fainer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So Greg is now running the Long Island Ducks. He's looking for kids to work. <laughs> if you know anybody. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> your neighbor's kids or anybody. Yeah, kids don't really want to work these days. Uh, that's that's the problem, I think. Hard work. Yeah, you got out there in the hot weather, and, yeah, who cares? There's a baseball game going on. But. Yeah, it gets boring. Oh, boy. But this is uh, this is really awesome, Mitch. I really it's appreciate fun. The wisdom and the pearls that you've uh, given to the audience here on this podcast. Well, good. It was fun to catch up with you, and yeah, we should. We'll have to do it in person. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, let's do a lunch. Right? I, I, I really like that email. I think you were you were traveling. You you were somewhere outrageous recently. I was in um, I was in Japan for two weeks visiting my son, who, who now lives in Japan, teaching English. So ah, that's it. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. The kids are off doing some fantastic things. Great. They're all good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, give my regards to Stacy. I will. And and yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's definitely get together. And uh, thanks for being on the Franchise Academy podcast. And you can reach Mitch York at york.coach. Take care, Tom. All right. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye bye. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.